You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Welcome to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game. You are listening to the July 9th edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Corey Mess. And uh, Corey, for today's show, we have a uh, jam-packed edition of Around the Diamond with uh, tons of uh, guests out the wazoo, as I like to call it, and it's going to be a great one. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, unbelievable show, really. Um, we have uh, uh, Colleen Sams coming on the show, um, uh, veteran of the Quebec Capitals and veteran of international baseball, has played plenty of international baseball with the Netherlands national team, probably the best team in Europe, has played with all kinds of MLB caliber players, MLB all-stars, and so it's going to be really fun to talk with him. I've been excited about this interview for, for about a week, but lots more on the docket as well, Dante. After Callie and Sam's, we will have Taub Steve to come on and talk about the signing of uh, Wilmer Font. We'll get to that later in the show as Wilmer Font was signed by the Toronto Blue Jays. And then Hal Lanier is going to come on to talk about uh, a little bit of their season. Also, um, how the Toronto Blue Jays eventually ended up signing uh, Wilmer Fon. He's making a start in AAA uh, uh, today, actually. So, um, before we uh, get into you know the back part of the show where we're going to be talking about Font and, and our player feature with Kelly and Sams, um, the All-Star Game starting lineup was picked just the other day, of course, um, in the NL. All Cubs, Corey. Uh, of course, a couple episodes back, I believe it was three weeks ago, we had a debate about who should be in the All-Star game. Turns out Anthony Rizzo will play first base and start there. Chris Bryant, Ioannis Cespedes, Bryce Harper, Dexter Fowler, Ben Zobris, Buster Posey is going to hit eighth, and Addison Russell is going to play shortstop. Now, with Addison Russell this season, a 754 OPS, he was voted into the All-Star game. I didn't really think that... He was voted as a starter because of the votes, right? And the Cubs have a full infield. That's the first time in history that a full team's infield has been voted into the All-Star. I don't really think Addison Russell was All-Star caliber at all. I think defensively, he's yes, probably right. the best defensive shortstop. And for for a position, I think that is mostly valued by their the the defensive ability of the players. I think it makes sense. I think it's a bit overkill on the Cubs. And I think of all the guys, I think him and Zobris, the two midland fielders, are the ones that I wonder the most about. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I I like Zobrist as a as a second base pick. I think Trevor Story probably could have been the shortstop pick in I the National so. League. Yeah. But I I don't I don't think I have as much of a problem with it as you just because he is a tremendous defensive shortstop. And starting for the uh, American League All Star, David Ortiz is going to lead off, which is a little surprising. Uh, Mike Trout is going to gonna, he's going to get a tremendous ovation just to start that game off though, and that, that'll be really just fun to see. Yeah, David Ortiz at DH will lead off. Mike Trout will play center field and hit second. Jose Altuve will hit third. He's had an amazing season. Um, more home runs that he's ever had in his career. I believe he's at 17 at this point. Uh, Manny Machado is going to hit cleanup, play third base. Jackie Bradley Jr., what a season he's had, is going to play uh, in left field. Also, Mookie Betts is in the lineup. Xander Bogart, Eric Hosmer, and Salvador Perez will round out uh, the rest of the lineup for the uh, American League All-Star. So overall, a good lineup. Uh, I, I mean, Boston, 
jam-packed in the in, in the All-Star game for starting lineup. Yeah, but I, I don't think that when when we did it last week, we also had Boston jam-packed into that lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bogarts, I think, has been the best shortstop in uh, in the American native League of- e- easily, native of the Netherlands, and we'll yeah. talk to uh, Colleen Sams about that uh, uh, in the next segment of the show. Um, but, uh, I mean, um, Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley, both tremendous hitting streaks. They've both been great, and, and I think we both had them in our lineup, and David Ortiz is is having an unbelievable resurgence in this Best is last of his season. career. Yeah, may, may, absolutely. Um, now leads the league in doubles, um, which is incredible for someone his age that he's still able to pull himself in the second base all those times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's been he's been unbelievable in this his final season, and I think it's a great way for him to go out. But I I think I agree a little more. It, it's hard to argue really with any any of those American League picks. There, Cosmer has really yeah, he has. been the best player on the Royals this year like with a lot of guys who haven't been great a lot of guys who've been injured um uh, Eric Cosmer's really pulling that team on his own right now um and uh, and I, I like Perez as a pick as well he's probably been the best catcher in the AL so I think it's hard to argue with that but uh, good good picks I think all around with the AL team uh, I don't think there's really any argument so let's have a little debate. Uh, I think you're right about that, Corey David Ortiz. You know, having one of the best seasons of careers in terms of average. I think home runs have been there as well, but not as much as his career highs. Of course, um, our options for the uh, starting to start the All Star game. You got Cole Hamels, uh, Marco Estrada was up there, but he's now injured out of the All Star game. Danny Salazar, Chris Sale, or Boston Stephen Wright. Um, out of those four guys, Corey, you know, who do you think is the best pick uh, to start the All-Star game for the American League? Well, we talked about it a bit last week about mm-hmm. Stephen Wright um, uh, being kind of uh, voted in by the fans. I-, I thought that's an interesting pick, but I think Chris Sale's the guy. Yeah. I-, he- I think he's going to be the AL Cy Young winner this year. Um, uh, he-, he just seems to be unstoppable every time he's in the game, and I, I think it's Chris Sale. One of the best lefties in the league. Of course, you have Clayton Kershaw there in terms of uh, that department. But uh, our options to start the NL All-Star game, a lot more difficult than the AL All-Star game. You got Jake Arrieta, Madison Bumgarner, Johnny Cueto, Jose Fernandez, John Lester, Steven Strasburg, Noah Syndergaard, and Julio Terrihan. A lot of very, very, very good pitchers. And what I mean, like, if you look at Julio Terrihan, native of Colombia, um, he's a really good pitcher. He's very under the radar. I don't think he starts the All-Star game, but the rest is just up in the air as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's really tough to to pick between any of those guys with the Chicago um, feel. You'd think maybe Arietta or Lester, but uh, Lester, to, to be honest uh, with you, uh, even though he's on a team with a pitcher who I think is a better pitcher, I kind of like Johnny Cueto. He's been, uh, yeah. he's been, I Leads think the league in complete games and, and has been phenomenal to start this season. And as good as Madison Bumgarner is as good as every other guy on this list is, I like Johnny Cueto, maybe even Jose Fernandez to be the NL starter. What do you think? I, I love Jose Fernandez. And if you ask Ottawa champions, relief pitcher, Kevin Perez, he played against him in high school and he was throwing 98 miles an hour. Um, Perez, I mean, sorry, not Perez. Uh, Fernandez is an excellent pitcher. One of, my favorite pitchers uh, in the MLB by far, just because he has a good breaking stuff. He has a really good fastball that moves uh, from left to right, you know, wherever you want it to go. And I honestly think that you have to give it to Jake Arrieta, just how good he was last year. I'm a big fan of Madison Baumgartner, but I can't really decide because there are so many really, really good picks. If you look at the American League, Chris Sale, by far, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But Mm -hmm. the NL is very, very hard. 
uh, at this point. I'm very surprised that Kershaw doesn't get looked at either. Early here, who do you think wins the Cy Young in the NL? It's so if you tough. Wanna, if you want to ask me, it's, it's very tough. Johnny Cueto has been good. I, I can't believe people thought he wasn't going to be good this year. It's Johnny Cueto. Um, he's been an all-star for most of his career. Madison Bumgarner has been good. It, it goes down to either, I'd say Syndergaard has a good chance as well, just because, you know, uh, the style that he has with the long hair, and they call him Thor and everything like that. Strasburg's been really good. Kind of gets that, that media attention in New York. Yeah, that, I, I, think that, I think that mm-hmm. it w- I think it would be G- Arietta. For the Cy Young, just because of what he's done with the Cubs, he's as as good of a start as Arietta got off to. His, he's he's he, slowed down a bit. You're he right. He has slowed down a bit lately, and that's why I was a little hesitant to pick him as the the All Star Game starter. And and mm-hmm. we'll see. Like I mean, he showed no stopping over the last couple of years. So really, there's no reason to think that he's gonna you know take this big dip. But I I do think that that Johnny Cueto to me is just a really a name that sticks out with these guys right now. And, of course, we're going to move on uh, from our All-Star Game predictions over to um, teams that have been hot uh, in the last month and over the last two months is from what I would say. And I want to talk about the Cleveland Indians, Corey. Cleveland Indians right now are sitting at 51-34 and on this season. They've lost two in a row, but, boy, have they been good at home. 25-14, and 26-20 and 20 on the road. They've just been a complete team in a very tough MLB Central with Detroit up there with 45 wins. The White Sox have 44 wins. And the Kansas City Royals have 44 wins. Before the season even started, people thought that the Royals were going to run away with this division and Cleveland would be uh, at the bottom looking in. They wouldn't even come to a wild card spot. And it seems like pitching and timely hitting have won ballgames for this team. Uh, and I was going to say, they, they kind of are starting to remind me of sort of AL giants you know they're they're in that really tough division but the big equalizer for them is that they can bring three incredible starters at you and you're right timely hitting it's not the most impressive lineup in the world but um uh, they're they're able to get get it done um and and maybe guys you wouldn't really expect to get it done are getting it done and and how amazing as well is francisco lindor having a Derek jeter like season uh, at shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. He's been unbelievable as well. Francisco Lindor, native of Puerto Rico, has played excellent. And it, if you look at their lineup, as far as I'm concerned, it's a good lineup. You have Francisco Lindor, switch hitter Carlos Santana, who leads off very different as he's not very fast. Uh, Jason Kipnis, Mike Napoli. And you look at the rest of the lineup down, Napoli, Jose Ramirez, Chisenhall, Rajay Davis, Naquin, and Gomes. It's not really the the the... Biggest power lineup, the not the biggest contact lineup either. These are guys that are just under the radar guys that people don't really look at. Yeah, and Mike Napoli had a really down year last year, but besides that, he's always been a guy who he has hit well for power, but he's been able to get on base and he's back to yeah. doing that again this year. Um, but you're right, it, like a guy like Jason Kipnis, another guy who just gets on base, and um, they they're. Lonnie Chisenhall's taken a big step this year and a guy who's always seemed to kill the Jays I remember he had the three home run game against the Jays uh, a couple years ago but he's hitting well now too so um, you're right their lineup is just coming together but no one that really blows you away besides maybe uh, uh, Lindor who's having an incredible season Lindor, Kipnis, those and Santana are probably their top three hitters but it seems like whenever Mike Napoli joins a different team he kind of like the postseason kind of surrounds everywhere he goes he was with texas last year um now he's with cleveland uh he started the the beard thing with boston it seems like he's been like uh almost like a clubhouse guy that's kind of rallied up 
uh, the Boston troops, especially with Francona uh, as the manager as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they, they, they seem like a well-rounded team. And like I said, it's very much like the um, Boston Red Sox of the past. Uh, well, like the Red Sox. And, and like I said, it, it does remind me a lot of the San Francisco Giants yeah. where you just have that unbelievable pitching staff, um, uh, very good defense and, and timely hitting. Pitching staff consists of Kluber, Salazar, Carrasco. Those are three studs right there. Uh, hard to say which one is the best of the three. Of course, Kluber has well, a and, and, and strikeout heavy yeah. guys with yeah, all those guys, right. um, uh, which is which makes their pitching staff very fun to watch. Josh Tomlin and Brower uh, line out the rest. And I was listening to uh, before we go. I was listening to MLB Network the other day. Uh, Christopher Russo on High Heat was saying that he thought that Cleveland's didn't have a chance to. Um, keep this record going, keep the way that they've been playing going with their bullpen. But I don't really feel their bullpen is that bad either with Allen and Shaw at the end. And uh, Tommy Hunter's also not too bad. TJ Howes is uh, reliable as well in the bullpen. Yeah, no, I, I think I think their bullpen is is pretty serviceable. And, and uh, I mean, like every team, I think they'd probably want to pick up someone for the bullpen. But I don't think there's a team in the AL who, who wouldn't say that right now, um, besides maybe the Yankees. But... Um, uh, but yeah, it's it, it's tough to judge, right? Like, I I, I agree with you. I really like uh, like Allen, and, and I think he could be the kind of guy they build around in the bullpen. And you're right about that, Corey. We're gonna wrap up this segment. Coming up next, Callie and Sam's will join us from the Quebec Capitals. Uh, played in the WBC for team uh, for the Netherlands uh, national team, and have also spent time in. Uh, AAA with the Seattle Mariners and San Diego Padres system. That's all coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home to every single Ottawa Champions game. And of course, sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Bat Corporation since 1997. Our guest joining us is current Quebec Capital center fielder Callian Sams, who is a native of the Netherlands and originally started his career with the Seattle Mariners, reaching as high as AAA. Callian, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. And to start things off, I want to ask you about being a native of the Netherlands and playing baseball in Europe. How did you get recognized uh, playing baseball over there enough to get signed by the Mariners in 2006? Well, when I was younger, I used to play on the national team for the Netherlands, and some scouts heard about me and uh, went to a MLB camp in Italy, and we had a lot of scouts and college coaches over there. Then I was uh, scheduled to go to the University of Tennessee, but uh, the Mariners um, saw me and then they offered me a contract right away. So that's where it started. And Callian, of course, now that you mentioned that you you had a contract uh, or you were offered a contract from the University of Tennessee, I guess because you turned that down was the reason because the Mariners offered you a contract uh, when you went there at the age of 20? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They uh, offered me the contract, and I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to sign. I get drafted out of college, so I just took the chance. 
and and Callian, uh, Corey Mess, I'm Dante's co-host here on Around the Diamond. It's a pleasure to to talk to you. I have uh, three Dutch grandparents, and so uh, and so <laughs> I've been following uh, the Netherlands national team for a very long time. Um, uh, and it's uh, it's it's a pleasure to talk to you and talk about growing up in the Netherlands, uh, playing baseball there. It's slowly becoming, I think, a powerhouse really in in European baseball. Um, and, and so talk about just your experiences as a kid there. Of course, it's a soccer heavy country how did you end up playing baseball yeah um well of course like you said soccer is the main sport and uh, i used to play soccer and baseball at the same time and um i used to go like saturday and play soccer and then the next week calling stick at soccer and go play baseball and vice versa every week so one day my dad told me like you gotta make a decision what you want to do <laughs> So I wanted to do something different than all my friends. So uh, I liked hitting the ball, and I felt I was pretty good at it. And my neighbor, who was actually a big-time uh, baseball player, he uh, introduced me to the sports by going to the beach and playing catch, and I liked it. And okay. I just uh, took off playing baseball and forgot about soccer. So now you, you do mention your, your neighbor. Uh, did he play, you know, how, what was the highest level that he had played to kind of show you the ropes? Well, actually, he just played in the Netherlands, but um, okay. at that time, he was like one of the top players in the Netherlands, and I believe he also played for the national team a couple of years. So oh. he taught me the basics, and then I started playing at a real club and just took off from there. Now, I noticed um, uh, when you were 19, you played for uh, ADO or ADO. Um, uh, is that the same sports club as the the soccer team that you see in the Eredivisie, like the Edio Den Haag team, or or is it a, a different team? <laughs> oh yeah, well, it was back in the day, it used to be soccer and baseball, but then I don't know when they separated. But right now, it's uh, baseball separated, and the soccer team is also separate. Okay, and, and but uh, but it, it's a, it was a similar idea back in the day when you were playing for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's Callie and Sams uh, from the Quebec Capitals joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, and I wanted to ask you, you managed to play AAA for a good amount of time. I believe the San Diego Padres system, you played as high as AA with the Mariner system. Uh, when you played as you know at those high levels, was there anyone up there that helped you a little bit? Uh, you know, a veteran player that you sat down and said, you know, I got to listen to what he has to, to say and almost be like a sponge when you're around him? Oh, good question. Um... <laughs> I had a couple guys around me, uh, Mike Wilson. Okay. Um, Beck, let me see this. An outfielder for the Pirates, Jeff Decker. Okay. I played with him in the Triple A with the Padres. So I had a lot of guys around me that had a lot of experience and um, a lot of coaches that I've been around. Friends, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. taught me a lot. Andrew Jones, who I played with as well. So I always had like a lot of good guys around me so I could talk to him about baseball and life in general, just uh, being good guys to uh, talk to. Well, and, and you mentioned Andrew Jones. Uh, you played with him at a, at the World Baseball Classic in 2013 uh, with Netherlands national yeah. team. You must have been around him a lot. Uh, just talk about him. I mean, is that a guy who you looked up to, an outfielder, uh, a Dutch outfielder who had so much success in the uh, in the major leagues and then you had an opportunity to play with him? What was that like? I was, uh, I mean, as a kid, I was trying to be like Andrew Jones, like every kid from the Netherlands or Curacao. And then I finally got to meet him one day before the Classic. It was kind of, I was kind of starstruck because I used to watch this guy on TV. And now I'm playing with him on the same team. 
but he's uh, he's a interesting person. He's a very cool, down to earth, and uh, he's always willing to help. And if you see something, he will let you know. So uh, it was really nice meeting him and still being in contact with him and talking about everything when it comes to baseball or whatever I needed to talk to. And that's Callie and Sam joining us here on Around the Diamond. And of course, I want to ask you, since we're talking about you, you know your days with the the Netherlands national team, uh, what was it like when you first suited up for your home country? And and you know what went through your head when you put on the jersey, you went onto the field and, and played for the country that you, of course you love your whole life. Yeah, it was amazing. I always wanted to play for the national team, and I got the chance to play at it at age 19, so I was pretty young. But uh, I was very nervous the first day I played. Um, it was a great experience, and uh, I mean, I've been playing on the team ever since 2006. So it's uh, it's very uh, an honor to play for your country and play in big tournaments and. The Classic is coming up next year, and hopefully hopefully the Olympics will come back. That's the only one I haven't played in yet. So it's just uh, it's been a great ride playing for the national team. Well, and, and you mentioned the World Baseball Classic coming up next year. How much excitement do you have for that, and how much excitement does the Netherlands have for that? I mentioned earlier the Netherlands is just kind of becoming really the powerhouse of, of baseball in Europe. Um, uh, just so many talented players. You look at uh, yourself in the outfield, a tremendous infield as well. Uh, Xander Bogarts is, yeah. is is starting in the 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 for in the All Star game. Like it, it's really incredible the development of Netherlands baseball over the past ten years, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, um, the team is just a family. Like all the guys, they're they uh, are willing to play for the national team, and they feel like they're part of the family. And everybody just clicks, and it's just a great vibe. And if you have that kind of chemistry in the team, you're going to be successful. And of course, you got a lot of good players that are playing in the major leagues at the moment. So the classic is one of the best tournaments I've ever played in. So I'm very excited for that next year. I believe he's starting Korea the first round. Yeah, it's going to be great again. Yeah, for sure, Kellyanne. And of course, you know the 27 World Baseball Classic is going to be something that uh, you know is going to be probably marked on your calendar for a while. But you look at the team that you guys have put together. It seems as though that you know with the likes of Bogarts, Simmons, and Jonathan Scope. Uh, I believe that's the way you say his name <laughs> uh, with the uh, the Baltimore yeah, Orioles. <laughs> yeah, Scope. Okay. Um, it seems like you you guys are really putting together a really nice team together over the like Corey said the last ten years. What do you think has played into that factor? Was it maybe Andrew Jones being such a star, or uh, was it just baseball becoming more popular in the Netherlands? Well, of course, it started off with Andrew Jones and Hensley Bam Bam Mullins. That was those were the two um, guys that everybody looked up to when they were playing baseball on Curacao, especially. And like since they're from such a small island, everybody played baseball there, and everybody like trying to be the best on the island. That's I feel like that's what helped um, the island become made so many good players. And you can see in the major leagues, you got like a whole infield that all playing in the majors, so it says a lot. Now, Callian, uh, we've talked about uh, you playing with the national team in the Netherlands. Let's talk about you a little bit with the Quebec Capitals this season. 
um, uh, Quebec back to uh, back to the, the the top of the Can-Am League. Um, I think a, a bit of a disappointing finish for you guys last year in the semifinals, uh, where you guys lost out. And so, um, have you guys kind of come back into this season with a bit of a, um, a, a not I don't want to say revenge, but kind of with a, a renewed um, a kind of vigor after after not last season not finishing the way you guys wanted. Yeah, of course. Like um, we had a great run last season, and then came up short at the end. So this year, our manager Pat did a great job putting on uh, a new team. I feel like we're way better than last year, and uh, I feel like we can go real far this year. I mean, New Jersey's also a good team. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I'll feel that's our biggest rival. But um, I'll say, yeah, we're more like um, how you say. We really wanted to get to that championship series and uh, see how far we can go. We're more motivated than last year, I feel. So uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. That's Quebec Capital center fielder Kelly and Sam joining us here on Around the Diamond. And Kelly, I, I, you know, I've I've looked a little bit at your statistics up and down, and I've seen that uh, you've managed to play in different types of independent leagues. You played in the Atlantic League, which is uh, most notably the best independent league out there. And you've also played in the Can-Am League. I believe uh, I believe those are the two leagues that you've played for uh, throughout your career. So, what would you say is the difference between between the Atlantic League and the Can-Am League since you've had a chance to spend some good amount of time with both of them? Uh, well, I haven't spent as much time in Atlantic as in Canem. Okay. Um, I would say the level is a little bit better at Atlantic League, especially pitching-wise. They throw a little harder, and uh, and no more guys that have some more experience, like Double A, Triple A, even Major League guys. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I won't say it's a big. It's a big difference. It's just a little more advanced baseball, I'd say. Um, now, uh, maybe a bit of a bigger difference, Colin. You've played a couple winters um, in Mexico, and talk about your your experience playing uh, playing baseball in Mexico and uh, and what that's been like. Oh yeah, winter ball in Mexico. Um, I'm not a big fan of Mexican baseball. The business is not as great. I mean, okay. If the team is winning, it doesn't matter how you do. Okay. If the team is losing, you can hit like 380 and still get sent home. So it's kind of a weird business. I'm not. I don't think I will ever go back there again, okay. but um, the level of baseball is pretty good, I would say, for sure. And uh, I guess uh, before we wrap things up, uh, you know, this season, Jordan Leonardton, you picked him up at the beginning of the year. He's been a, an all-star, of course, Canadian guy uh, from B.C., uh, British Columbia, has you know, hitting over 300 this year, good first baseman. Um, how big has he been to you, to the Quebec Capitals this season? Yeah, he's great. He's a great first baseman. He's hitting, he's swinging, he's like driving a lot of runs, he's doing great. I mean, we can't ask for anything else than that. He's doing a great job. He's being a leader, and uh, I hope he can continue, and I can pick it up so we can be there together, you know? (laughs) And uh, we're going to wrap this segment up. Thank you so much, Callian, for coming on the show, and we look forward to seeing you um, when uh, when you guys come to town to face off the Ottawa champions. I hope you don't uh, kill the ball as much as you did in RCGT Park. (laughs) <laughs> I'll try, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, touch your hands. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. All right. All right, you got it. No problem, man. All right, we'll see you. That was Quebec Capital's Colleen Sams joining us here on Around the Diamond. We thank him so much for coming on the show. As uh, He's from the Netherlands. Not too many baseball players 
from the Netherlands uh, do play uh, professional baseball, so it was great to hear what he had to say. Coming up next, Hal Lanier, manager of the Ottawa Champions, will join us to talk about Wilmer Font being signed by the Toronto Blue Jays system. It's all here coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Matt Helms from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. Joining Corey and myself over the phone is Talib Steve from Sportsnet.ca. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. And uh, I just want to start things off with a, a little bit of an article that you wrote on Sportsnet.ca that uh, that you, you, little, you talked about the Cuban national team coming to Ottawa, but not only just about that, but you talked about um, how we've we're seeing an extensive amount of Cubans come to Canada and you know more players defect uh, into Cuban organizations. Or sorry, not Cuban organizations, MLB organizations as well. Yeah, I mean there there's been a bit of an influx over the last couple of years. And I think that what you're seeing is that, you know, teams are, are looking for other ways to bring in uh, players to, to help fill out the rosters. And, and, and frankly, looking at the contracts that they're giving to them, they're not roster fillers so much mm-hmm. as they expect them to be, you know, all-stars and primary players. And, and so, uh, I believe the number that I put into the article was that there was 18 Cubans who had their debut within the last three seasons, and that's as many as, uh, I believe it was Japan, Korea, Canada, and uh, one other country. Um, so, you know, there, it's a growing market. The only thing is that it's a bit opaque in that because people aren't regularly watching these guys, um, they don't have a really great sense of, you know, what they're doing, how do they play against higher-level competition, and how ready they are for the uh, MLB. And that's part of the rationale for why I was saying that there really needs to be a new system and, and a better system. And I think you're right. And, you know, first off, uh, before I, you know, get into it, uh, I want to ask you, how did you like uh, doing, uh, you know, watching the Cubans play in Ottawa and, and covering them and writing the article a little bit after that and, of course, uh, doing a little com- color commentary in the in the opener to the series? Well, it was great to, uh, it was great to be there. It's great to join you in the booth. Um, I, I had a ton of fun and, and certainly um, getting a close look at that team and, and, and which really spurred a lot of additional research for me in terms of who those players were, um, contextually, you know, uh, how do they do in the Cuban National Series, and then be able to marry that with with uh, watching them actually in the games and how they perform. So, you know, I mean, I think that there were pretty clearly some players that uh, could step onto a major league roster and maybe not necessarily be stars, but step in and, and certainly be uh, serviceable uh, role players and and uh, or possibly even um, you know a, a, a leading role player. So uh, that was great, um, and and I think even really just uh, getting to to spend a little more time watching the champions as well and seeing the level of competition mm-hmm. uh, with that team. And and frankly, I think in the last couple of years, it's just. I think you're seeing a, a better and better caliber of ball with uh, each passing month. 
Yeah, and that's Talib Steve from Sportsnet.ca joining us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, just to move over from the Cuban topic, we'll we'll touch a little bit more uh, later in the interview about uh, uh, the champions as well. But I want to go to a little bit to the Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, you covered the team. Um, Troy Tulowitzki got off to a very slow start this season. Um, you know, his numbers dropped drastically. But right now, he's starting to pick things up. He's hitting some home runs. He's hitting for average. He's hitting doubles. He's playing a lot better baseball right now. Um, what has he done in order to, you know, to change things a little bit? And, and is it just a matter of time before he got to this point? Well, uh, apparently the the time that he spent off and time that he spent away from the team helped a bit, um, or, or so he's told people. I, I think one of the main things for me, the, the biggest difference is what he's doing with pitches uh, out and away from him. Um, early in the season, he was trying to pull those pitches. He was swinging through uh, fastballs, even fastballs down the, the, the middle, and uh, I just think he's got a better approach especially you know getting deeper in counts and with balls that are out uh, away from him um, out away uh, on the outside corner of the plate where you know last night uh, I think all of his RBIs came on um, or it came on uh, pitches that were outside so um, you know being able to, to put the ball the other way uh, to get solid contact and get a single or a double uh, in addition to those moments where he's getting a pitch that he can really uh, hammer and, and, you know, he was even hitting for decent power uh, before the, before he uh, went on his injury time out there. So, um, you know, I, I think the power uh, will be there and can be there. Um, it's just now he's, uh, hitting for a better average and, and taking uh, better at bat. And and the team I think is, is hitting well like we even without Jose Batista like we expected them at the beginning of the year. Um, but what about the pitching staff? We saw Hutchison start last night. Looked uh, pretty serviceable last night. Did his job well. Uh, uh, with with Marco Estrada on the DL, what's kind of the next step for this pitching staff? I know we're going to see Hutchison a lot more, but but what else? Well, I, I think the the next person would would be uh, Jesse Chavez. I think, and just in terms of if they were to need to go and find an extra arm, um, you know, certainly they have shed a few arms uh, from the system uh, in the last few weeks. Um, so, uh, but I, I I actually I do think that they may be on the lookout for another starting pitcher or someone who can. Uh, go back and forth between the bullpen and, and the rotation um, going down the stretch. Now, I don't think that they would be looking at a sunny gray, although there are some uh, reports that say that they are. But, uh, you know, a guy who can come in and be like a serviceable four or five if they need him to be, um, in case Marco Estrada doesn't come back, in case uh, they run into injury problems with anybody else or or if Aaron Sanchez does end up needing to go to the bullpen. And can, and can I get you to expand on that as well? The Aaron Sanchez infamous inning cap and uh, and how how do you think his season's going to go along? Like, do you not could the Jays not say, okay, you're only going to pitch at home for the rest of the year or something like that? I, I, I don't know. Maybe that sounds crazy, but it, it just it seems weird that they would. Uh, he's having so much success as a starter, and and they would just end that. 
Yeah, and there's been a little bit of back and forth in terms of what they're going to do with that. But I actually think the last things that you're hearing uh, from the GM, uh, from uh, the president, um, seem to indicate that they are going to take this uh, not with a hard and fast rule, but to, to take it as they see what's happening with uh, Sanchez. And so I think that they're going to look at you know his performance, and they're going to look at his arm slot and and the uh, pitch rotation, and you know a, a whole number of things. And once they start to see clear indications that he's either tiring to a point where they worry that he may start to hurt himself, that's when they would make that move. But um, but I don't I I get more of an impression that he is going to be in the rotation through the end of the season. Okay, so um, kind of looking towards the end of the season now, we look at the Buffalo Bisons roster. I saw you tweet, uh, I think yesterday, about Daryl Siciliani. He's been red hot of late uh, after a bit of a slow start. But um, can you see any of those Buffalo Bison players uh, before the end of the year maybe making their way up to the team and, and making an impact in the uh, in the majors? Well, I don't see anyone unless that there is some sort of an injury concern. Uh, I don't think that anyone is necessarily pushing their way from the Bisons onto the Jays roster. Uh, On September 1st, I think that you'll probably see whoever it is that they have on the 40-man roster um, come up, and and I think you'd be looking at possibly Siciliani, uh, the other the other person in there too is is uh, Chris Colabello, yes. who they're going to have to figure out what it is that they do with him, and he's going to be eligible, I think, to start his minor league uh, rehab stint. I think within the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, within the next week possibly, and then they're going to have to figure out when it is that they uh, integrate him back onto the big league team, or do they leave him in Buffalo and let him rate there until September first? So. I don't see anyone really pushing their way in based on performance. It'll be based on uh, injuries to the major league team. And uh, Tao, Steve joined us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, I guess before we let you go, Tao, you had a chance to, you've been to a couple of Champions games, of course. You had a chance to watch Wilmer Font in which um, played, I guess, a couple, uh, played with the Ottawa Champions. He was their ace and now has been signed by the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he's making his first start in AAA uh, with the Buffalo Bisons. What did you like from his stuff in order in, enough for the Jays to take a look at him and say, all right, 26 years old, has five games of Major League experience with the Texas Rangers. Let's take a shot at him. Yeah, well, I mean, as I said earlier, the, the Jays uh, certainly ran into a bit of uh, uh, an issue at uh, at AAA with their starting pitching depth, uh, you know, bringing up Hutchison, uh, trading Wade LeBlanc, and letting uh, the former Fausto Carmona, uh, Roberto Hernandez, uh, go. And so they certainly had a hole there uh, that they needed to fill. But at the same time, I think that Wilmer, in his time as a starter with uh, the Ottawa champions, um, has shown that he has still a uh, a very solid uh, fastball. Uh, he, you know, mid nineties on the fastball, and uh, his slider impressed me a lot in the games that I saw. So okay. it didn't surprise me at all that a, a team would pick him up. I figured that he would probably get picked up to to, to serve as a, a bullpen piece, major uh, maybe for a major league team, and that might still be in his future. But 
you know, I think that there is some really good stuff there, and I, I, I you know, I think it's great for for um, uh, for Wilmer that he's had the chance, and it's actually, I think, something you wouldn't mind seeing if the if the the Jays were actually to be able to keep a close eye on what's happening with the champions and to be able to uh, look to them uh, for roster depth when they need it. And I think you're right about that, Tal, because we're only four, uh, you know, about four and a half hours away from Toronto, so it's not too hard from, for scouts to take a trip down, uh, not only for the Ottawa Champions, for the for the Can-Am League as well, which is uh, a nice point that you mentioned there. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to wrap up this segment. Tal, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we look forward to seeing, uh, seeing you at the, uh, the Champions Ballpark. It was a pleasure. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. That was Sportsnet.ca's Tau Steve uh, came on to talk a little Blue Jays baseball. And uh, we finished off that segment on a, on a good note, talking about Wilmer Font. That's why we're going to have Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier come on in our next segment to go more in-depth on uh, the signing of Wilmer Font to the Toronto Blue Jays and how that all came apart. Of course, uh, also other roster moves to talk about with Hal Lanier. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Daniel Bick from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to the Ottawa Champions on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home to all Ottawa Champions Baseball. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Corey Mess, and now we welcome Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier to the show. And uh, Hal, how are you doing on this uh, rainy day in New Jersey? Well, we're just sitting here at the hotel right now, um... It has let up a little bit, but it's very cloudy out. So, you know, it wouldn't be a bad rain out for us because we've had a hard schedule since we've been on the road trips. Uh, you know, coming here July 4th, uh, left Ottawa at 6 o'clock in the morning, played a game in Sussex, then went to New Jersey, had a day off uh, because of rain, and played a doubleheader uh, at 11 o'clock in the, mo- in the morning and a lot of heat. So, um, you know, I had a game last night, but um, it wouldn't hurt us for a rain out, especially for our bullpen. Yes. Well, and, and you mentioned the bullpen. Talk about the um, – it has really been a grind for you guys on this road trip. You got a couple good wins in the doubleheader. Uh, last night was certainly a grind. Talk about the, the challenges you guys have faced on this this road trip. You guys have kind of overcome some adversity, uh, um, uh, some losses, not necessarily bad losses, but losses to the pitching staff. Um, uh, so how, how have you felt on this road trip? Well, I felt very good. I mean, um, we played a tough ball game here in Sussex on July 4th. Uh, we won 11 to 10. And again, we went to New Jersey and faced the, uh, you know, a very solid, very strong ball club, not only pitching wise, but uh, offensive wise. They, um, they've got a lot of guys that can put the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, they have some speed and they have good pitching. Like I said before, they have a very solid team and, you know, for us to win the series there, which is the most important thing, mm-hmm. to win two out of three every time that you play a series, um, that's what we tried to accomplish. And again, last night, we just came up a little short. Uh, the first inning came back to bite us a little bit. We had the bases loaded with uh, nobody out, mm-hmm. and we just couldn't you know, get the, a timely hit. But the ball club has been playing really fantastic uh, as of late. Um, you know, we we had a seven-game winning streak uh, going into last night's ball game, and we lost four to three on a 
on a call at first base um, after watching the replays. The umpire probably got it right. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but, um, <laughs> you know, those things happen. And But, again, we've had to, you know, make some moves with the idea of, uh, you know, after losing Wilmer. I mean, you can't replace a, an arm like that, um, especially in independent baseball right at this time. But everyone is so happy for Wilmer, and I really hope he has a great game tonight because I'm, I'm sure he's pitching tonight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've – the guys have sucked it up a little bit, uh, pitching-wise. Uh, you know, uh, Miles um, Moeller pitched last night, a young rookie. He went five solid innings, only gave up two runs. So, you know, the, the pitching staff has come around. Uh, we've had some ups and downs in the bullpens, which we're trying to, you know, right at this time make our ball club a little bit better from the standpoint of uh, guys that will come in and throw more strikes out of the bullpen. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, Wilmer Font earlier this week. The Toronto Blue Jays picked up your ace. He was an original Ottawa champion since being signed uh, with you guys last year. Was Wilmer Font? Uh, you you mentioned to us, uh, I believe it was a, a week ago in in your post game comments that you had uh, called a couple MLB organizations to take a look at Wilmer. But you had mentioned that you know not too many people were budging. What changed in, in, since that time? And what did the Blue Jays like from Wilmer Font enough to pick him up? Well, I think because of the need that they had at that particular time was, uh, you know, I was reading some comments about what they said about having a pitcher go up to the major league level and had a pitcher released from AAA. So they were in need of a experienced arm. And I'm sure that they had scouted warmer somewhere, whether it was during the Cuban series or somewhere here in the States. And, Again, Wilmer was at the top of his game. Uh, you know, he came in last year wanting to – we we were going to let him start because he had been pitched out of the bullpen, you know, probably most of his career. But we gave him an opportunity to start. Um, it, it was pretty hard to start off with. He was uh, a little bit erratic with his control. Uh, he was in the wind-up part of it and then my pitching coach I who I think deserves a lot of credit Billy Horn mm -hmm. suggested to him that he just pitch out of the stretch because he was accustomed to that and he just turned it around like that he 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 felt comfortable doing it uh, he won 10 games for us last year and this year he came back he was in great shape um, he works really hard um, during the off season and during the season and he had better control this year. So I think he was more comfortable probably starting than he was last year. And I think that's why, you know, he got him picked up. Uh, you know, he had like 60 in a third inning and had 61 strikeouts. His record didn't speak how good he pitched. We just didn't score a lot of runs for him. We made some errors, uh, mm -hmm. whether it was in the infield or the outfield, uh, when he was on the mound. And... Again, I think people look at it, um, I know I do, I look at it with the innings pitch, the base hits, the base on ball strikeout ratio. And he was one of the top pitchers in our league, and I'm sure he would have gone to the All-Star game uh, in St. Paul in August. And again, um, you know, we're just so delighted for him from the organization standpoint, from the manager and the pitching coach and his teammates. I mean, Wilmer was a great guy. Uh, 
just can only wish him the best. And I know that he's going to do well tonight in his first start in a, in a long time in organization. Now, Hal, you had mentioned to us last week that you uh, had been calling a lot of managers, calling a lot of acquaintances of yours and, and trying to get Wilmer's name out there, trying to tell these guys that they are missing something here in the Indie Leagues. Do you find that's a, <laughs> a, big part of your, a big part of your job as a manager in the Indie Leagues? You're not just putting the team together to win every day, but you're also a bit of a promoter. And, and these guys, they, they do want to move on to, to a higher level. And is that kind of part of your job is to get them there? My number one priority has been this way. The first year that I accepted the managing job in Winnipeg, I asked the owner one question. Am I going to have any problems getting people into organizations with my connections? And he said no. And that's what I tell my players when I talk to them, uh, when I sign them. And I've probably told everyone here, my number one priority is to get you in back or into organized ball if you're out of college and get, didn't get drafted. And again, you know, a lot of our, our, a lot of our players, uh, especially pitchers that got released for the first time from organized ball, uh, my, what I really tell them is that, you know, one door may be closed on you, but another door open. Mm-hmm. It, it may not happen the first year. Sometimes it takes a year and two or three months in independent baseball to be seen again that, listen, you know, I'm capable of going back to another organized ball. There's more than one organization uh, in, 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 in baseball. And it's, it's the same thing that's going to happen right now. We just signed uh, a pitcher that was re- released about a week and a half ago who was with us last year, mm-hmm. and he put up great numbers, uh, Josh Blanco is back with our ball club. Uh, we just signed him to a contract today. He'll be in uniform tonight. And, again, he went with an organization um, this spring. Uh, didn't have very much success in, uh, in A-ball in the California League. Uh, they tried, you know, People tried to change his mechanics. And, you know, so they just leave him alone and let him throw 94-95 with good control. Um, they tried to mess with his mechanics, maybe to make him, make him have better control, and he lost velocity. So he's back now. Uh, I think he's, his mind is straight with the idea of that, um, you know, he's gonna, we're not going to mess with him. We're going to help him all we can. But, um, you know, get back to throwing 92-94 again, and somebody else will take another look at you. And, of course, Josh Blanco is also a lefty. He brings a lot to your team. But, uh, I mean, what are you guys going to do in order to get him back for where he came from? And, and what does he bring to the pitching staff as well? Uh, you know, he pitched good for you guys last year as well. Well, he's got a solid arm. Um, last year he was throwing probably 92-93. This spring, uh, my pitching coach, Billy Horn, saw him, and he was throwing 95-96 with good control. And, again, you know, uh, some minor league t- uh, personnel, they, they want to put their mark on a player, saying, well, I helped this guy, I helped out if they're successful. But I think, you know, some people in organizations just, just say, hey, let's watch this guy. Let's see what he did in independent baseball because he got, you know, he had good numbers. Let's see if he can do the same thing in organized ball. And again, you know, we want to get him right back to where he was last year. 
throwing 92, 95. He's capable of throwing 95 because he's very strong. He's very uh, athletic. He's, he's in great condition. His mind is set now. It took him about a week and a half to think about it and what he wanted to, to do. And, you know, he decided to take. Hey, I started out with you guys. I want to come back and, you know, get back to where I was before and then see what kind of numbers he can put up. And, you know, I'll, I'll make calls for him like I do with a lot of people. Yeah, and Hal, of course, uh, uh, Josh Blanco is going to bring a lot to your team, and uh, the Ottawa champions are, are you and the club are, are off to a, a nice big stretch uh, going into the Sussex County. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, we'll see you when uh, you guys come back to Ottawa. Okay, thank you for having me on. Ottawa champions manager Hal Lanier joined us here on Around the Diamond, and we thank him so much for coming on the show. Coming up next, Corey and I will have a nice chat about the Can-Am League. And there was a big trade last week. You don't want to miss out on that talk. Coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the only baseball show in Ottawa. You're listening to Around the Diamond. On CKDJ 107.9, the final segment of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with uh, Mr. Corey Mess. Of course, before we were talking with Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier, and uh, he finished off talking about uh, two signings that the Ottawa Champions have made. Uh, sorry, not two signings. The uh, selling the contract of Wilmer Font to the Toronto Blue Jays, and of course, uh, the signing of Josh Blanco, who will be coming out of the bullpen for uh, the Ottawa Champions, but just uh, on the same day, Wilmer Font signs with the Toronto Blue Jays. He uh, is making a start in AAA uh, this weekend. And the Rockland Boulders sold the contract of Alex Guen to the Arizona Diamondbacks. So two players in one week being signed by MLB organizations. Uh, three players overall. John Walter got signed after the third week of the Can-Am League to the, I believe, is the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So overall... The Can-Am League is, a, you know, a lot of scouts are coming out to the games and getting good recognition, of course. Well, and, and not only John Walter, but his replacement, Mayberry, pitched one game for New Jersey and then was also signed by yeah. uh, by an affiliated baseball team. So that's four players at the very least this year. Uh, we see their shortstop from last year, Peter Mooney, recently got called up to double-A. Um, and so a lot of Ottawa, or not, uh, not just Ottawa champion players, but a lot of Can-Am League players are getting recognition this year, and uh, and I think it just validates the Can-Am League. This is a, a developmental league. We talked about it with Hal Lanier earlier. It's their job to help guys move to the next level, and, and a lot of guys are doing that. So I think this league is doing its job right now, which is excellent. And, and you know what? If you look at some of the alumni, uh, Chris Colobello, Andrew Albers, another Canadian, uh, even umpires, Adam Hamari, these are guys that are in the major leagues uh, you know, playing uh, right now that came out of the Can-Am League uh, we could maybe see Wilmer Font at the end of the season if he pitches well, get called up to the Toronto Blue Jays, but he would have to be put on the 40-man roster. But at this point, I think that he has a better chance to make the Blue Jays at a spring training next year. Well, and, and if he puts on a, a good month of, of July and August, we definitely could see that, Dante. I, I don't think that's that far out of the uh, out of the question, especially if the Blue Jays make some trades at the deadline. And, and maybe they do uh, have a couple more deals. We've seen them have a lot of they, – they needed that depth in the rotation. But what happens if they have to trade one of these guys on the Major League roster? If Wilmer Font pitches well, 
he could be the guy to uh, to be their 40-man roster replacement. Well, they traded their their best starter in LeBlanc over to the Seattle Mariners. He had a 112 ERA as a starting pitcher. He started the uh, the AAA All-Star game, which is insane that they traded him. And it was weird, Corey. When I lo- I was on Facebook and I saw that Shai Davidi had wrote an article about trading LeBlanc and releasing uh, calling up Hutchison and re- releasing Roberto Hernandez. And I thought to myself before I went to sleep, I had a thought in my mind. I said, I think Wilmer Font's going to get signed by the Toronto Blue Jays. I really did. I had that, and I knew that the Blue Jays needed to do something in AAA, and they ended up going out and getting Wilmer Font. And that's why I still kind of feel uh, my stomach still in knots a little bit at this point that the champions lose Font because I had the feeling that he would get signed by the Jays. Well, and, and it's a wonderful opportunity for him, and, uh, and we'll know how things go uh, before this podcast even airs. Um, and so I think it'll be uh, it'll be very fun to follow along Wilmer Font's AAA career, and, and hopefully he does have success. And, uh, of course, eventually down the road this summer, we'll have a chance to talk with the Buffalo Bisons manager, Gary Allison, about uh, Wilmer Font's uh, you know, tenure with the Buffalo Bisons. And we'll, next week uh, on this uh, episode of our, on next week's episode of Around the Diamond, we're going to talk about uh, you know, Font start in AAA, and we hope he does really well. But, of course, a big trade in the Can-Am League before we wrap up uh, this show. Um, the Sussex County Miners tra- traded um, Elvin Soto and Tony Amesqua for Jared Martin, Mike Schwartz, and Alex DeBellis to uh, the Rockland Boulders. Uh, so, And then they went out and flipped Mike Schwartz for Dustin Lawley. Although Sussex has not, you know, played very well uh, this season, they're probably not going to make the playoffs at all. They made a really big trade to make a run for things, I think. Yeah, but they, and, and we talked about it a bit on the broadcast when the champions were playing Sussex here in Ottawa. Their team with a lot of injury problems right now, but only two wins uh, in their last 18 games uh, had, really, had really had a lot of trouble when they left Ottawa. And so they really needed to make a move um, uh, and just change some things in their clubhouse, really try and, and flip things around. So I think that's probably what this is. And they still remain ahead of Trois-Rivières in the standings, but that might not be for long if they don't get things uh, back together. And, of course, another topic uh, before we wrap up uh, this edition, the June uh, or July 9th, edition of Around the Diamond. Uh, Zach Colby, uh, first slash third baseman for the uh, Japanese All-Stars, Shikoku Island All-Star team that came and played the Can-Am League, has been signed by the Trois-Rivières Eglis. So overall, um, it seems that it worked out for the international side of things as one of their players gets signs in the Can-Am League after uh, playing a good amount of games here and putting up some good power numbers. Yeah, and a guy who already had some um, indie baseball experience with the Joliet Blasters. Um, so it's good to see Zach Colby in the league. He was maybe the most consistent hitter uh, for the Japanese national team. Hit over 300, had the most RBIs on that team, hit a home run, um, was able to produce a lot. And uh, since they released Eric Grabe, um, Toi Riviere has been trying to find a third base replacement. And I think Zach Colby is a... A very solid replacement. And you're right about that, Corey. And with that being said, we're going to wrap up the July 9th edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ1079. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Mike Nellis was not able to come on the show this week, but uh, you had Diamond Dante and Corey Mess, uh, two of the voices of the Ottawa Champions. You can tune into every Ottawa Champions game on CKDJ1079, CKDJ.net, or watch on CanMLeague.tv. Uh... Diamond Dante signing off of Corey Mess. You can uh, follow myself on Twitter, Diamond underscore Dante. Corey, at former inside man. 
And uh, you can check out our SoundCloud, Diamond Dante Audio, for uh, all past episodes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Round the Diamond on CKDJ1079.